Hey everyone, this is Sam, better known as That Girl with the Curls, and I'm recording this just to kind of give you a heads up that the first 14 episodes are essentially, they were previously recorded for the website Word of the Nerd that I used to write for. And as I am no longer a writer for that website, I decided to take my podcast with me uh, to my own website, The Maniacal Geek, and uh, use this as my forum for interviewing people and whatnot and saying things that I want to say, which, you know, hopefully this introduction is getting that across. If not, I apologize. So uh, you will hear this on every recording for the first 14. After that, there will be different recordings, uh, just kind of, you know, intros, basically, to whomever's on the podcast. So if you're hearing this for the umpteenth time, please skip ahead. Uh, If not, uh, just enjoy the rest of the show, and I hope you keep listening and come back for more. All right, thank you so much, and uh, have fun with this episode. I am joined by a um, someone who I have not yet met in person, but we live in the same city, so odds are we will meet each other at some point. But she is the producer of the very popular uh, nerd-esque uh, burlesque shows. Uh, please welcome to the show Jojo Stiletto. Jojo, thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, I was um, I was really excited to talk to you because um, I'm not very familiar with um, burlesque. Like I know of it. But I don't know. Have you seen a burlesque show? I've never seen a burlesque show. Oh, good. Yeah. So I was actually hoping that um, we could start with you just kind of covering the basics of burlesque. Well, I mean, it's uh, there's a lot to cover. But the (laughs) the most simple description that I like is actually from a local performer who actually runs a school of burlesque, Miss Indigo Blue. And she describes modern burlesque as person enters stage with some clothing, magic happens, person exits stage with less clothing. (laughs) And I like, I mean, I've been uh, involved in burlesque since 2005. It just seemed like that thing that I was always looking for, uh, Mm -hmm. even as a young person, is the ability to be able to perform like four or five minute stories. Um, that are kind of a mashup between theater and dance and performance art. Sometimes you get to make a political statement. Sometimes you just get to be uh, fucking fabulous. <laughs> um, and so uh, that's burlesque. And another um, performer has a pretty good description. Um, her name is Miss Astrid, and she describes burlesque as exposing oneself unapologetically to the world which I kind of like. Um, And a lot of people associate burlesque as what they sort of see in mainstream media, which is the film burlesque. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. Which uh, does have some burlesque in it, but uh, far less than one would expect. You mean that a movie starring Cher and Christina Aguilera would not be true to the burlesque stage? (laughs) I mean, they're both amazing. And also, I think, is Alan Cumming in it too? He is. It's either him or it's, I think, isn't Stanley Tucci in it as well? Stanley Tucci's in it. Like, this is a recipe for amazing, and yet it Mm -hmm. sort of gets everything wrong. Um, (laughs) Much like movies about doctors are always perfect, Mm -hmm. um, and lawyers. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It all works that way. uh, Singing and dancing, which is potentially one aspect of burlesque. 
But mm-hmm. I like that burlesque can really be just about anything in the modern era. So mm-hmm. that's burlesque. Um, and is it is it some? So you said that it was something you'd been looking for. Like what what had you been doing prior to to burlesque that made you go like, oh, okay, well this is my thing now. Um, I was uh, involved in theater. You know, as like I was a theater nerd. Uh, drama rat is what I called myself. There we go. Um, in high school and in college, but I also was pretty like dead set on having like a real career. And I figured if you worked in the arts, you could not make any money. Um, so I always had to like quietly dabbled in things like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Of course, yes. Um, and theater. And I always was a dancer of some sort. Like I did high school dance team. And I will point out um, that uh, I was the only one on my high school dance team that thought it was totally cool that we did a Star Trek Next Generation dance. There we go. Like full on like body jumpsuits and insignia. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Were you a red shirt? Uh, I believe we were all blue shirts. Okay, good. <laughs> it's like we're all going on the away team through dance. Yeah, and I, like, I moved to Seattle, and Seattle has such a thriving art scene. It's kind of why I moved here. It was like New York or Seattle. Well, I'll choose, or I think it was New York, Seattle, or Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I ended up here because uh, I actually looked at the art section of the newspaper to see which had the longer art section. Uh, in Seattle one and um, you know the resurgence of modern burlesque sort of started in the like late 1990s and early 2000s and Seattle really was part of that like original um, sort of like resurgence um, which is sort of part of like the pinup culture and the rockabilly Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it also came out of um, uh, just like a punk culture too uh, and uh, Miss Indigo Blue founded an academy here, and so Seattle has sort of become this sort of destination place for all types of burlesque. So you've got classic um, burlesque, which is more of what you would consider a traditional striptease, um, sort of in the style of Gypsy Rose Lee, Dita Von Teese. Um, but we also have some really groundbreaking stuff here, and people who come from different artistic backgrounds. So it's just like melding of modern dance and ballet and um clowning and like just everything sort of put into into the art of burlesque and 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 yeah it's like that's one of the things that I've always loved about Seattle and and I mean Washington in general is that there's this huge embracing of different types of I mean, it's not even just nerd stuff, but geek stuff, you know, geek, nerd culture, uh, pop culture, just kind of like this vibe of, yeah, we'll take it, whatever. Seattle is like the most magical place for me to be, period, because it's where like the best burlesque in the world happens, and it's the most nerdy city ever. Yeah. (laughs) And it's pretty friendly to the gays, so it's kind of amazing all around. And it, yeah, it works in in tandem with each other because like you can always find a spot for yourself. Like I, I always felt that way about Seattle. Um, I lived in Bellingham, Washington, for a while too. Um, and Bellingham was that kind of city as well, where it was just kind of like if you're into these kinds of things, they will. There's always a, an avenue for you. There's an outlet. It's a, you know? it's a good city to obsess over things. You will yes. find your people. Um, it's a good people city for being artsy fartsy nerds too Mm -hmm. um and i think like uh and you mentioned it earlier the nerdy burlesque or as the uh term has been coined nerdlesque 
um, has really thrived here. It's amazing. Um, And uh, it's happening in other cities all over the country. Like I somehow accidentally because of my nerd leanings and my Mm -hmm. burlesque uh, background became this um, expert on nerdy burlesque. Which has Excellent. been a lot of fun. Um, I call myself the professor of nerdless. Yes, I'm looking at your your website currently, and I, I I should have mentioned that at the beginning, but yeah, the professor of nerdless, and I had to I almost had to train myself to say the word nerdless the way it is because I almost wanted to say nerdless. That's for fine. Some... You can say whatever you want. Nerdless, geekless. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that was kind of a it's the this weird combination of uh, nerd culture and burlesque, uh, and it made a magic baby called nerdlesque. Yes, and uh, and so what what led you to to I guess I guess found this? I mean, you uh, you mentioned that you are a very geeky person yourself, and uh, I imagine it's just like a combination of that love and another love just meshed together into one thing, but what led to nerdlesque? Well, I, I have a very obsessive personality <laughs> and, and burlesque in general is about sort of celebrating the things you love, whether that be your body or brains or um, a fancy feather boa um, or like rockabilly culture or whatever. And um, I've been completely obsessed with uh, things like the X-Files and Joss Whedon and reading and um, my second burlesque routine ever that I created in 2005 was um, about math. I was a nerdy mathematician. I set it to the music of Kraftwerk, which I was also completely obsessed with and had just discovered um, because I was a sheltered youth. Um, and, uh, and I wouldn't say that I founded anything. I would say that I just, uh, sort of discovered what other people were doing and started to celebrate it. Because mm-hmm. um, pop culture has always been deeply ingrained in, in burlesque. Uh, so I'm going to kind of history nerd out for a second. Go for it. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm a history major, so there you go. Like uh, American burlesque especially was founded or was sort of cited as being founded by a woman named uh, Lydia Thompson and her British blondes who came to the United States in like, I believe 1860s. And I may be wrong. And they did something which was called burlesque. They were more like risque plays and it was women often dressed as men or in revealing costumes, which were things like tights and a long skirt. Ooh. Ooh. And did they show some ankle? Yeah, they showed, they showed a little ankle. Uh, and they were um, doing things that were like parodies of modern day popular culture, which would have been like uh, the play about Robinson Crusoe or uh, other things like operas of the day. And so by being women who were not dressed like they were supposed to be dressed and were actually saying things about what was happening currently politically and otherwise, it was extremely scandalous and popular. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where burlesque started. And it all was about taking like existing plays or uh other works of art and and mocking it and making parody of it. Uh, And so burlesque is sort of coming back to that, I feel, in a lot of ways, where we're taking things uh, from our current popular culture, which might be Doctor Who or um, Joss Whedon or Star Trek, and sort of uh, using that to say something about ourselves, to say something about other people, to say things about what we love. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, and especially in since they're, I mean, we've kind of been calling it the age of the geek oh, yeah. and everything. And so for burlesque to be able to to take those elements as well, because it's not only the age of the geek, it's these, um, uh, it's like the the nostalgia that has just been invading us, and uh, all this stuff is just so prevalent for it to take that and then to you know kind of condense it into this ball of like, okay, now we're gonna make a statement. Yeah. Um, about what's actually going on around here or just kind of, you know, have fun with it at the same time. Yeah, I've become uh, someone sort of like I'm obsessed with um, or I'm intrigued by what happens when we take the things that we love in popular culture and create new art out of it. So fan mm-hmm. fiction or uh, filking, um, and I feel like Nerdlesque is a part of that. It's about um, how do I translate my love of this thing or my understanding of this character or this story arc and um, show that to an audience in a new and interesting way. Um, and I find it interesting that we're having this whole conversation, but I haven't really talked about like burlesque is kind of about being a little bit naked and sexy. Yeah. It's about being naked and sexy. And for nerds to actually be able to do that, um, you know, the nerd was supposed to be the sexually awkward or the outcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we get to kind of say, like, brains are sexy. Um, telling stories is sexy. Reading is sexy. Math is sexy. Comic books are sexy. Video games are sexy. It's all sexy. It's all sexy fun. And um, and, and, and just even in that same vein, so I, you know, I imagine that there are there are male performers in burlesque, obviously, yeah, right? It's a very, um, like, it's obviously, it's a, it's one of the very few artistic spaces in the world that is dominated by women. Mm-hmm. Women are the creators, women are the producers, women are the directors, women are the everything. But it also is very open to all genders and gender expressions, which I really mm-hmm. appreciate, especially in the nerdlesque scene. There's sort of a burlesque mainstream scene that gets a bit more like what we would consider the Hollywood mainstream ideal of beauty. We talked mm-hmm. about the movie Burlesque. But the reality of it is if you go to a burlesque show, you're going to see a wide variety of body types, of genders, and gender expressions, which is really powerful and fun. Yeah. And and, and that was a – yeah, that's where I was going with it because, um, you know, knowing that there are men involved, it is a you know, especially with nerd culture, we're we're experiencing this thing now, especially with with women and the, their depictions in media yeah. and comic books and uh, games and everything, where it's the same body type over and yeah. over again. And with um, burlesque, especially because I do remember seeing like these old videos, and I think it might have been of Gypsy Rose Lee where when she would perform, I mean, her body type is is not like a stick. You know, she's a full-figured woman, uh, you know, doing this performance and everything. And so that's kind of what I really like about bur- Burlesque, too, of what I've seen, is that it completely embraces uh, the woman as a woman. Yeah. And uh, how, how has that been um, in terms of, like, audiences coming in? Like, has, has it always been very open to that or have you had experiences where people have been less than kind I will say there is a less than kind story and I will get to that because I will talk about what it means to me but generally Mm -hmm. I feel like the you know I go to these shows I've been actually going to I've been researching a book so I've been uh, flying all over the country and attending shows Um, the audiences are um, almost too uh, 
uh, like a creepy degree, the same, like uh, 50, 50 male and women. Um, mm-hmm. So I will count like 200 people in the audience. It'll be a hundred women and a hundred men. Um, the people on stage are generally every size that you can imagine from like a, an XXS, like an extra small to a plus size woman like myself. Um, I am a performer as well, and I would definitely consider myself uh, the kind of person who cannot uh, walk into a normal store and buy clothing. Um, but I can get up on a stage and love my body, and an audience will embrace it. Um, and I think it's really powerful to see uh, women and men of all sort of shapes and sizes and abilities and genders and ages really loving their bodies. Um, there's a big event every year called the Burlesque Hall of Fame Weekend which actually gets together people from all over the world. And one of the best nights is the Legends Night, where they bring back women who performed burlesque in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Okay. And it's amazing. It's a, you know an 80-year-old woman's body, and exactly what an 80-year-old woman's body looks like, and an audience <laughs> of like 2,000 people screaming for her. Um, oh, that's which also, I think, if you sort of flip it back to nerd culture, you know, we have uh, the sort of uh, upswing of nerd burlesque shows at conventions. Uh, I've been noticing a lot of those popping up. Um, and uh, Geek Girl Con, which is Seattle's uh, premier uh, female-focused geek convention, uh, yep. their first year, their uh, featured event was Whedon-esque Burlesque, which was a nerdlesque show that I produced. Um, and it was really awesome to see how that audience of, like, uh, decidedly feminist, nerdy women truly embrace uh, burlesque um, for that wide variety of bodies. But there was this one person. Always <laughs> <laughs> that one person. person. And the thing is, it was a very, I found her blog, and she blogged about how she'd had this horrible experience where she had went and saw this burlesque show and she expected it to be just like the movie with Christina Aguilera mm-hmm. and um, the bodies were not fit and toned like she expected that maybe all they teach you in burlesque class is how to take off your bra and I have to no. admit that's kind of what they do they teach you how to take off your bra um, <laughs> but the, like, the hardest thing was that she felt like the men in the show were funny and that was okay their bodies were acceptable because she perceived the men as being humorous, but the women's bodies weren't acceptable no matter what they did. And they just kept, like, I I actually go back and revisit this blog post every once in a while um, because I feel like she needs, I want, like, I wish I could show her the light um, Mm -hmm. uh, and sort of be like, and she like reading other blog posts, she's sort of, she's a, a woman who's so, taught by our mainstream media what to think about herself and others yeah. she's clearly so unhappy and I was just yeah it, it makes me feel like I'm doing good in the world <laughs> if you can if you can at least reach somebody yeah. and uh, and change their mind about it you know maybe her mind was changed a little bit and maybe not and that's okay uh but for the other 200 people in the audience who are hooting hollering and screaming um that's who matters to me yeah yeah and is it, um, I mean, having never seen a show, uh, I will be going to the, the, the Whedon-esque uh, burlesque in August. Yay! Yay! Um, so, it, I mean, are, is there like, is it a crowd participation kind of thing, or is it a very much more respectful, like, the performers are performing, you know, okay. keep it keep it clean as much as you can? 
You are allowed. It's one of the rare experiences uh, I think in our adult lives. We get to like respond vocally. We get to respond mm-hmm. vocally to things that we like. We get to hoot and holler um, and have a time. We get to have. Um, we're doing. It at, excuse me. We're doing it at the theater off Jackson. There's a little bar and get a cocktail and come and watch the show. Um, I say that my show is a bit more theatrical in nature. It's in a traditional theater. Um, so it's a bit like a hybrid between a traditional play and a burlesque show. Um, so yeah, and I try to create, it's really important to me, like this is about, um, Weed Nest Burlesque is about, you know, it's about the, sh- the Weedenverse, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Firefly, uh, that have these strong, um, existing fan fandoms. And it's about mm-hmm. the cast's love of these shows and I really want to create that environment where everyone feels like this big nerd family. Yeah. Um, and that was what really struck me the first year that I produced the show. It was kind of a joke. Like we didn't think it could really work. Okay. Um, and there was like another show in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, who had done a show uh, about Joss Whedon and they did a burlesque show and they sold out. It was like a one night bar night. And I thought like, this is hilarious. We need to do this. <laughs> um, our show sold out two nights almost instantly. And it was just that feeling of people in the audience um, where they kind of knew that everyone else liked it really too. And they didn't know what was going to happen. And we had, uh, had some friends come dressed as the fruity Odie girls <laughs> and like pass out snacks. And it was just like this really uh, warm and friendly, like everyone walked in and they knew that they were already friends. And that feeling was really um, magical. Excuse me. There you go. So, uh, and so I think it's just like starting to now, now every year I try to build on that and really create this um, atmosphere that sort of delivers on the anticipation of uh, what the fans expect that and that family too. And uh, and do you, so you mentioned like uh, uh, there's a combination of burlesque and theater. So do you try to craft a story with? Uh, I mean something like the the Whedon verse. I mean there's a lot of stuff to cover. So yeah. is it more story based or is it like little vignettes? Like um, how how do you, how do you I guess how do you produce one of these shows then? Uh, well I'm in the middle of it right now. I don't want to reveal too much about this show, but I'll talk about other shows because I like it to be uh, no spoilers, right? Okay. No spoilers. Uh, no but generally a burlesque act is like four or five minutes and it's created by a solo artist. Um, and what I like, and it's something that I experimented with last year when I did a production called the, um, the burlesque files, <laughs> the burlesque files, the truth is down there, which is our tagline. Cause oh, that was my crazy terrible. fandom of college, like obsessed, crazy fandom. Um, mm-hmm. I have Barbie dolls. I have action figures. I made a diorama. And I, like, I never thought something like this could happen, that I could do a theatrical burlesque show based on the X-Files 20 years after it premiered. There you go. Um, But we did it. Live in the dream. What was that? Live in the dream. I know. I totally am living the dream. I also met William B. Davis last year, but that's another story. Um, (laughs) uh, So I wanted to create the sense of, like, why, why... why did I love that show? Um, and burlesque really lent itself nicely to do this sort of like um, myth arc, if you're a fan of the X-Files, and then also do sort of like monster of the week style acts. 
Okay. And so we craft, crafted this very simple tale about what would it, what would happen if Mulder and Scully investigated paranormal activity in a burlesque theater. Like, okay. the act would happen, and there'd be clothing left on stage like there usually was, was, and this was the evidence that they were investigating. Um, okay. Like, the first act was a cold open, and the burlesque performer was, like, abducted from stage, and then Mulder and Scully come into the theater um, and with flashlights, because it's very <laughs> important, um, and then find her clothing on stage, and then the rest of the show is them trying to figure out what's happening, um, and at the very end, of course, they get to make out. Of course. And was, like, I mean, that's what everyone wants to see. Of course. Um, and we had, like, you know, the cigarette-smoking man did a burlesque routine, and it was really, really hot. Oh, my. Like, total dream body because villains are kind of sexy. Mm, true. Um, so, yeah, like, I think um, there are some shows out there that are just straight up, like, um, there was a Doctor Who burlesque show in Seattle, which was just straight up, like, characters and content uh characters and concepts um there was like a tardis act i've seen an amazing dalek act um and then there's other shows like this weekend i went and saw an archer themed burlesque show oh sweet it was hilarious and it was scripted and like the performers like had spot on performances as the characters in their scenes and then they would do like a little uh, four or five minute act uh, burlesque act as the character it was a lot mm-hmm. of fun. It was totally within the world of um, Archer, but also sort of made some commentary, uh, like Archer stripped to the song Blurred Lines. Appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that the audience was going to tear the theater down for Pam. Mm, uh, really? Yeah. Like, awesome. I loved her so much, especially when she left holding like a 40 a milk jug and had a sandwich between her ample bosom lost it. Like just started stomping, hooting and hollering. So. Well, and that's the thing too. Like, I mean, just to get into Archer very, very briefly. I mean, Pam is one of those characters. Like she owns it. She totally owns it, which in burlesque is all about confidence mm-hmm. and owning it. And like the second she walked out on stage and said a few lines, like that was it. The audience was in her lap. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, so, and I've, I've actually, there's a, a show, uh, not a show, a theater in Chicago called Gorilla Tango Burlesque. Mm-hmm. And all this theater does every weekend, uh, three nights, two shows a night, or three shows a night sometimes, is this themed, scripted uh, pop culture reference burlesque. And I actually took a trip out there and saw they do like a, two Star Trek shows. Um, they do Star Wars. um, Doctor Who, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, so uh, with, um, so with, you have Whedon-esque. Um, what, um, what other, like, n- nerdy, uh, I guess, fandoms, uh, not nerdy, but just fandoms in general, have you either explored or wanted to explore because we, we covered X-Files and have uh, you seen Archer and Doctor Who and whatnot? Um, I should say, though, that everything I know about Doctor Who, I learned from burlesque. That is true. Oh, really? I've never watched Doctor Who. Okay. I just know stuff from burlesque, so that's it. Do they give you, like, a primer? No, or I literally you... only know things about Doctor Who from seeing a burlesque show and being like, I think there's a Dalek and I think there's a TARDIS. 
And I think the doctors are kind of androgynous and hot. Mm-hmm. And they have these companions, and they're yeah. not like companions in Firefly. Or maybe nope. they are? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it depends. I, yeah. I think it's all context, right? It's all burlesque. I, I think you you pretty much nailed it, though. <laughs> so, uh, you're you're ready to start watching episodes and be like, yep, called it, called it. time for more obsession. Everyone has time for more obsession. Well, we I think we talked about this a little bit over email. It's like my new thing is like I'm I'm in my mid thirties and I just started reading comics. Okay, um, yeah. that's been kind of my new thing, and I think uh, things like Geek Girl Con for that. Um, and I love Rat Queens. Oh, oh my god, I know. I know you talked a lot about that, but it is everybody I know. Because I used to play roller derby, and I'm in this world of art, like crazy theater people and burlesque performers and strippers. Mm-hmm. And Rat Queens feels like the people I hang out with every day. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's an amazing comic. Um, uh, I do the reviews for the the comic for Word of the Nerd, um, and I've also talked to uh, Curtis Weeb and uh, Rock Upchurch, who are the creative team behind them. The, uh, the... Uh, amazing people and I appreciate them and I appreciate their embracing of like fan culture oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah they um and to tie it back to Nerdlust they they instigated and attended a Rat Queens uh inspired burlesque show in New York oh cool yeah I, I'd heard something about that were, were you involved in that or was not that... and if I could have dropped everything and flown to New York I would have I actually um, <laughs> interviewed the producer about it, um, and it started with, like, uh, there's a performer named B.B. Hart, whose cosplay, I believe, might have actually been featured in an issue of Rat Queen's Her Hannah cosplay. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Like, I went online one day, and I was like, uh, Rat Queen's cosplay, and that was the first picture that popped up, and I'm like, oh, my God, I know her. Um, and then another uh, burlesque producer named Anya Keister who does uh, has a troupe in New York called D20 Burlesque Um, and like she was involved in cosplaying and like some uh, testing of a I think a Rat Queens inspired game Um, and they actually I believe sort of contacted uh, the performers and started the ball rolling to have this burlesque show happen which I think is amazing that creators are actually sort of embracing burlesque, which is something that had for a very long time been very shunned, mm-hmm. especially by uh, the people who created the art. I think it's always been thought of as something kind of like icky and dirty. Um, and I like that that perception is changing. And I also like the perception is changing because um, I grew up in the 90s when even writing fan fiction felt like a copyright infringement. Yeah, <laughs> um, that that these, you know, burlesque and cosplay and uh, making scarves uh, is all being treated as this amazing transformative art by the creators themselves. Yeah, and uh, and Curtis and, and Rock have, have been so like, I mean, because the fan base has made it all happen and they've just kind of been like, going with it and and just giving their approval on it being like yeah do whatever yeah, I mean, which is amazing and i love that they actually flew and went and saw the show which mm-hmm. is so much fun um and is that something that you would want to do as well like a, a rat queens uh oriented well it's uh, already for- been done so well uh, yeah well it's true i think like uh upcoming projects 
uh, I might do, uh, and it's been done many times before, but more of like a fan fiction or slash fiction inspired show where you, we literally are taking uh, characters from different universes and mashing them together. It should be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I've produced a show in the past called, it was actually called Bechdel Test Burlesque. Oh, really? Yeah. I call it, it was like the, the uh, strong female character show. Uh, and we thought that <laughs> name would really speak to geeky women. Mm-hmm. Like, if you know what the Bechdel Test is, the oh, yeah. show is for you. Um, and it was a featured event for Geek Girl Con last year. Um, and so we had like Princess Leia and uh, Agent Scully and uh, a lot of other acts that sort of talked about specific uh, strong female characters like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And then some that were about like what it's like to be bullied. Um, and I would love to have a Rat Queens act in that show next year. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just one of those... I, I've been the, so I'm kind of like the comic peddler amongst my group of friends I'm and everything. I'm peddler. There we go. <laughs> like, no, you have to read this. No, I do no that idea. too. I totally do that too. Like, this has been the one that I've been lending out to everybody. I've been mm. doing that with Saga too. Oh my God, I love Saga. It's another one that I do the reviews for and everything. And it's just like every end of that book like just hits you in your heart yeah. um brian k vaughn is just punching you yeah. and then fiona staples is like here have some more well and i didn't really get comics uh i admit until uh a friend of mine started a comic book delivery service he oh. was a comic book delivery boy and it was amazing and he actually sponsored one of my shows and then he started a book club a comic book club and like mm-hmm. it was basically my entire cast ended up joining his comic book club and the first and I of course was like okay I'll do this now and I think the first one that I read that made it all click was um oh criminal last of the innocent okay I I actually haven't heard of that one but yes um it was very like film noir and they it was the introduction was written by like Patton Oswalt Oh, wow. uh, and it had a lot of um, references to Archie comics, and it was just the first time that I how I understood like how the art of comic could be the only place that this particular story could be told. And then from then on, like it was just like anyone would recommend. I was like, Runaways, okay, I'll read that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, now there's an X Files comic, which of course, yes. <laughs> Here I am, like older nerd who's. Uh, sort of been living in the shadows my whole life and suddenly like oh comics okay I want to try to do that and I had to like google how to start a subscription file and you know how mm-hmm. you start a subscription file you just walk into a store and say hey can I can I subscribe to some comics thanks can I get a box like I thought it was really complicated <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay, what kind of password do I need? Do I have to give my, like, blood type, social security number? What do you want? Like, well, it's also you... like that. Like, I didn't know how to, like, there were no entry points for me. And there's a great book um, by, uh, oh, God, Rob Sackowitz about uh, Comic-Con and the business of pop culture. It's a great book. Um, and it talked a lot about, like, what we can learn about the history and business of comics as an industry. This is my nerdy thing, right? I read books, like, about business and Comic-Con. There you go. Um, and that was, like, a great book to sort of put it in perspective for me, too, about how hard it has been in the past to find these entry points. But now 
there's comics like Saga and um, Rat Queens where they're just starting. Uh, they don't have these like 700 year long mythologies. Yeah. You're not going like Batman, like 75 years worth of stuff to nitpick through. And Well, it's also been a strong culture. I mean, to sort of get back to the whole like geeky feminist stuff is it's mm-hmm. been a culture really dominated by men, of course. Yeah. And it's one thing that I like about uh, what nerdy burlesque does is it allows women to make comments on that culture in a way um, it's really unique. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so you can make comments on, uh, and this is actually not comics. It's um, similar. It's video game characters and their costuming. So you would expect a burlesque no. costume to be very similar to this, like you know, gravity defying, makes no sense. Uh, and there's this great performer named Iva Handful, who's uh, <laughs> one of the best performers in, in the in the universe. And she mm-hmm. doesn't act. She's a very ample-bosomed woman. Uh, her proportions are actually quite similar to what you would suspect uh, Ivy Valentine from Soul Calibur, the video game, to look like. Mm-hmm. And her whole act is just about, it's hilarious. It's about how that costume actually stays on and how it doesn't stay on and how ridiculous it is for her to do some of these moves in that costume. So it, it sort of manages to be, like, hilarious, sexy, and a total commentary. Yeah. Well, and, and, and especially with uh, comic books and video games, again, with the, the, the feminist slant to them, that they're, it's like they're just starting to wake up and see that women are an audience for them. Yeah. Uh, especially like with comics, like you have Rat Queens, you have Saga, which has a much a, a higher rated uh, female cast within the book, if not, you know, who are reading yeah. it. Um, and then even, you know, female teams in the big two of Marvel, like, uh, you know, forming Birds of Prey, or you have uh, just the X-Men book that is entirely the, the women of X-Men. Uh, so there's like this huge, and the female Thor now, like the, yeah. the this kind of thing where they're like, no, guess what, guys? Women have been here the whole time. You just haven't been uh, haven't been paying attention as much. It's interesting, the commentary on that. Like, I love that Joss Whedon tweeted a picture of Katie Stackoff, a.k.a. Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica, and was like, uh, Lady Thor? Yes, please. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then other people are saying, like, hey, that's great that Thor gets to be a lady, but you know what's really awesome? Just creating new characters that are women. Like, you don't have to just keep, you know, putting us into a female version of a male costume. And I kind of, I see both sides of it. Yeah. Um, I definitely do too. Yeah, especially in I like um, like uh, I've seen some great uh, lady versions of traditionally male characters in burlesque, and I think it's really it's really fun. Um, like uh, last year in Weed or two years ago in Weednesk, we had a lady. Uh, yeah, it was Lady Thor. Oh my gosh! Oh, you did! Oh my gosh! It was Lady Thor, and she really loved her hammer and it was really <laughs> dirty. Um. So. Well, and I think that the gender bending too is 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 an awesome way too to to make commentary as well. Uh, I mean, especially if you look at, um, at comic books in general. I mean, there was the whole stuff with uh, Frederick Wortham and and how he thought that you know Batman and Robin uh, living together you know was was a problem. Uh, and how they should have had girlfriends and everything. Well, let's then put those two characters on a burlesque stage and see what happens. There we go. That's what you do. <laughs> there was a great 
an act I saw there was a Nerdlesque festival this year which was amazing it was in New York I went to it and performers I think from Toronto did a gender bending uh gambit and I can't think of I'm not a fan of some comics gambit and it's a pairing from X-Men is it was it Rose yes thank you okay Gambit Rose I please don't tell anyone I said that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll edit this out. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was it was gender bent. So the roles were were reversed, and it was one of the funniest, sexiest things I think I've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. I want to see that act over and over again. I don't even nearly know who those characters are, and I thought it was hilarious. They did it to the song uh, "MC Hammer." You can't touch this. <laughs> it was really well done, um, and it said a lot about like gender and gender roles. Um, I also love, like, um, uh, I love seeing uh, the, like, playing of different genders, but not, like, uh, like, I think we're talking a lot about women playing men and kind of sexifying them. The idea of, like, um, you know, someone playing, like I said, a Doctor Who character played by um, an androgynous woman and sort of talking about, you know, what, what the difference between masculinity and femininity and everything in between uh because uh like hot dykey lesbian dressed up like doctor who is is amazing yeah so it's so good um well that that in embracing i think uh, of of all types everybody is it's an inclusive genre of of fandom uh, burlesque from what you're describing um that Everyone, uh, any body type, any size, you know, shape, color, whatever, you can come in there and be like, I love this thing, and I want to express that in whatever way that I feel um, is is going to be, you know, not only fun for me, but also prominent enough to, to make a statement about, you know, this world that we live in and share and, you know, all these fandoms and everything, which is is really amazing when you think of of how far like performance art and nerd culture has really kind of come. Well, I think it's like one of my favorite acts um, is a performer from Atlanta named Lola Le Soleil, who uh, was the queen of the Southern Fried Burlesque Festival, and we brought her out to Seattle to perform um, her Princess Leia act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, the way that she performs Princess Leia, like makes me love Princess Leia so much. She turns her back into this like badass and I think especially in um, like comic con culture we have this vision of uh, Leia sort of under the male gaze as slave Leia in her full chain mm-hmm. male bikini which is awesome um, say what you want but it's um, her version of Leia is a motherfucking badass yeah. and she also um, takes from like her own heritage and takes a little bit of Foxy Brown and puts it into this character. So she's an African American <laughs> woman playing princess Leia. And it is, it, it's show stopping. It, it just dropped everything. The whole room just erupts. And I love that performance. And I love what she says about princess Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, and her costume reveals are really great too. Like there's, I think we forget sometimes that like, uh, the burlesque has this way of like turning every day into magic in the way that you can like tear away pants or mm-hmm. uh, twirl tassels on different parts of your body. Yeah. Very strategic tassels. Tassels. <laughs> 
and and I, I remember seeing this post from Rock Up Church when he was uh, talking about like, was it okay for white people to cosplay as D, uh, who is the uh, black character in, in Rat Queens for those who don't know, and he was like, yeah, it's okay. You just don't put the the black face on. You could still cosplay as D. Like you, you sh- this shouldn't because um, I know that there were uh, there was a lot of uh, there were some issues coming up with people cosplaying as certain characters and, you know, putting face makeup on to, to you know, change their the what their race looked like, to be more, I guess, like the character. But it's like, no, there's certain aspects to the character we will all recognize. Yeah. You don't have to muck it up. I think it's about <laughs> love, right? And I think I I think it's 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 a lot more complicated when a uh a, a Caucasian or white performer tries to take on a role from popular culture of a different race because we're, I mean, I've definitely had uh, a lot of conversations about this because especially uh, in burlesque in, in geek culture, you don't have a lot like, especially African-American women don't have a lot of characters to pull from in genres like sci-fi comics and video games. So I think it needs to be done very carefully, but also um, with like a lot of uh, with respect and love. That's what cosplay is. That's what nerdlesque is. Um, and I also like, um, I think there's opportunity for commentary about, uh, about race and oppression and about the lack of those characters. Um, I don't want to like give too much of a spoiler away, but we're definitely in We Nest this year sort of addressing potentially, or some of the potential problematic issues with race, race and cultural appropriation in the Whedonverse, which is a lot, you know. It's an interesting place to go to for a burlesque show, but that's why I really like our shows is we actually do talk about there's reasons why we love these shows, but there's also some reasons why we need to take a step back and be critical too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've read a lot of uh, really interesting essays this year about uh, race in the Whedonverse, especially in Firefly, which I find really uh, interesting. And there's definitely some problematic aspects of that. And one of our performers is going to uh, take that, um, take that on. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And now I'm looking for, now I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I think it also show. relates to in Burlesque, there was a lot of conversation about two years ago. Um, Dita Von Teese did, who's a very famous burlesque performer, um, did an act that uh, was very, it was a, an opium den act that's uh, very much, uh, it's orient, Orientalism. Um, a lot of people called it yellow face. Um, and it had a lot of discussion amongst burlesque performers about is it appropriate, is it inappropriate. Um, burlesque definitely takes a lot from uh, these sort of like other cultures or the China doll, um, and may, that's not appropriate anymore. Uh, so I feel like this one act in our show will sort of uh, have the potential to say a lot to an audience beyond, hey, we're stripping and we're sexy. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that that's really important, too, is that, you know, like you said, it's it, it's a, a place for commentary, but it's also saying, like, look, we we love these yep. things, but there, there are also problems sometimes. I mean, we and, and I think even, like, Joss Whedon himself always cops to the fact that, you know, he makes mistakes yep. and doesn't do things that he wish he had done and everything. Um, and I and, and that's the thing with nerd culture in general as well that I find is that even if we legitimately make a point of being like, hey, this thing doesn't quite work or whatever, people just jump on it like you've offended their mothers. 
Well, I think it's actually um, the programming director of Geek Girl Con, who's a brilliant woman, Jennifer Stoller, uh, said something to me or said something in, I think, a, a presentation that she was giving, which has always stuck with me, was that the idea of it's okay to find pleasure in these problematic products of popular culture as long as we're also looking at them with a critical eye. So it's kind of okay to like the things, have these guilty pleasures that we know might have some problems. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We can still, yeah, it's, it, you know, we can always just go back to and be like, yeah, I know there's a problem with it, but I still enjoy it. Like, you know, like, it, it, I love Sherlock. Sherlock has become <laughs> my new obsession. You asked me about my fandoms. So good. Um, I'm sitting here next to a tiny framed portrait of Benedict Cumberbatch and sipping Sherlock tea. <laughs> I found online. Um, but also, uh, Stephen Moffat, the creator of that show, is kind of a dick whistle. At times, yes. He's kind of a dick so. whistle. And I have some problems with that show, but I also uh, have lots of reasons why I love it. Mm-hmm. And, and especially, yeah, with the, the Moffat's take on, on Doctor Who. You know, it, recently someone was trying to explain this to me, but as I've learned with Doctor Who, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there because it seems like it would just take so long to get caught up. It, it always feels daunting, like because um, I didn't start with Doctor Who until um, the the Ninth Doctor, so the, when they revamped it and everything, um, and then you know got into it as it aired on Sci-Fi. I've gone back to other episodes and everything, but I make I mean I've told people like, look, I'm not going to watch all of the Fourth Doctor. I'm just not going to happen. Like I'll pick up on a couple of episodes, but. I, I am where I am, and that's where I'm staying. Maybe morning. one day I'll listen to all you nice people, and I'll watch Doctor Who. But for now, I kind of like to be able to like have literally my entire view of it be through the lens of burlesque, which I think is hilarious. Well, and 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 that too, like I think that's awesome as well because you're like, look, I have this appreciation for a fandom that I'm not necessarily as big of a part of. But through this venue, I can find that appreciation. Yeah. Like, I have a lexicon I can fall back on. Like, I know the Daleks and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, but uh, don't expect me to be able to tell you which episodes or which companion. And, like, um, I, I think that's always the thing, too, with nerd culture is that everyone, you know, you're almost expected to be either know everything or uh, understand which what every fandom is no matter what and the minute you you somehow show that you don't know it people are like not real fake well i think it's like a i created a little forum on facebook for nerdless performers all over the world and i think we're up like 800 members which is amazing and like like in the little like uh rules and regulations of the forums it's like there is going to be no checking of your nerd cred card in here you don't mm-hmm. have to prove to us that you're a nerd um, and I kind of like that. I think, uh, you know, that whole Will Wheaton speech about like, what is a nerd? A nerd is just loving something. That's what a nerd is. Yeah. Um, and there's been a lot of discussion lately because I think about nerd lust way too much about like what defines a nerdy burlesque show. Mm-hmm. Cause the people are like, well, I, we did a musical theater show and that's a nerdy show. And other people are like, no, musical theater is not nerdy. I'm like, <laughs> why are we fighting? I I would think that um, musicals uh, are themselves their own genre of nerddom. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know people who are really into musicals who just love them for what they are. Like, that's a fandom. Like, 
everything can be a fandom if you're just into it. Yeah, I mean, used to, like burlesque shows used to be just kind of like, come see a bunch of different acts inspired by a lot of different things. Uh, and now we can actually pull audiences together that are like, yeah, I can sell 200 tickets to a show that's entirely about musical theater in which people are also taking off their clothes. Um, I mean, why not? Why not? Um, you know, this, like I said this last weekend, there was an Archer burlesque show in Seattle. The same weekend, there was a Neil Gaiman-inspired burlesque show. I went oh. to both. How awesome is my life? I want your life now. Um, it was pretty cool. What was the Neil Gaiman show like? Uh, it was very beautiful. Um, and I don't know that fandom as well. Um, mm-hmm. There was a great act, I believe, about uh, War, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, um, from, mm-hmm. I think, Good Omens. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. There was a Sandman act, um, which was just absolutely, like, perfect and beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of other pretty stuff. <laughs> Which is what you expect from a Neil Gaiman uh, anything. A yeah. uh, bunch of pretty, I mean, it's, I, I'm a, I'm an avid reader of, of his. So um, yeah, pretty much anything he puts out, I'm just like, I want to read it and then meet you and, and hug you. That's it. Well, I think it's like, there's less, there's less to like visually pull from except for the comics. So people got to sort of create their own version of what some of the characters from the literature looked like. Um, I believe there was one inspired by Stardust. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, which was a fan dance, um, which was glorious and gorgeous. Um, so, and the rest, I just remember, is very pretty things. <laughs> so, it, I mean, you talked about the this book that you're writing, which um, on your website says it's just, it's a, called Nerdlesque, the New Burlesque. Yeah. Um, so w- what has that been like uh, doing the research for this book? Uh, it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually in a bit of a lull right now as I'm focusing on producing Whedon-esque, but for the last two or three years, I've been able to uh, interview, up, I think, like 60 people about about their lives, about being nerdy men and women, about uh, how they're translating it to the stage. I've gone like Chicago, New York, Vancouver, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, to talk to people, to see shows, to see um, what uh, performing fandom looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. And I hope to be able to put together a book. I have an agent we're working on uh, finding a publisher to sort of um, help capture this chapter in uh, American culture's history. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I find it interesting, Uh, and apparently people out there also do. There was a great article on the front page of the Wall Street Journal that I got quoted for, which was pretty awesome. Cool. I was also interviewed uh, a few weeks later by Penthouse, which I never thought would happen. Um, <laughs> dear Penthouse, I never thought it happened to me. I never thought it happened to me! Um, <laughs> which is, I think, it sort of says something about how popular these shows are becoming. Like, it was a front page article in the Wall Street Journal with one of their little weird Wall Street Journal, like, pen-drawn graphics of a burlesque lady dressed up like uh, Super Mario. Oh, wow. That was kind of great. Um, So, yeah, I just really want to sort of celebrate this thing that I love and share it with other people and share stories. And I have – I always say, like, I have never cried so much (laughs) from nerds and boobs. But some Mm -hmm. of these stories are really amazing, Um, you know, getting to speak to this woman – who had just performed at the Burlesque Hall of Fame weekend, 
which is a huge deal um, for burlesque performers to go to Vegas and perform. And she did an act inspired by Star Trek and her love of Star Trek. Um, and she got like a standing ovation and it was amazing. Uh, and I talked to her afterwards, like what inspired the act. And she wasn't a specific character. She had created her own character. Um, and she talked about a childhood that was very, um, was very rough, very sad and how she had um, really retreated into her fandom of Star Trek to uh, feel safe and to feel loved. Um, and she didn't really share specifically what had happened, but it was something not good. Uh, and Star Trek had kind of saved her. And, uh, you know, she's a grown-up now, and she never thought that she'd be able to share that with people in a way that was fun. There would always be something that was sort of, like, secretly hidden like, she literally believed that she lived in Star Trek universe for a while because she so badly wanted the world to be like that. Oh, yeah. And I asked her, I was like, what did it feel like when, um, like, the curtains came up and that music started and, like, the backdrop has those, like, little pin lights, like, mm -hmm. magic theater pin lights. And she, she said it was thrilling. It would, it would change her life to have that many people cheer for her. Wow. Um, so I think it can be really powerful. It can also be really silly sweet fun too yeah which which is what ner i think what nerds and geeks all want like we we enjoy our stuff we want to have fun with it yeah. but it's also extremely important to us on a, on a different level like i mean i had a lot of things that got me through my teen years yeah. whether it's that, star trek or buffy the vampire slayer yeah. and then she got to go on stage and do a go-go routine a go-go routine with a gorn oh my god that's so cool. And have people cheer and ha make me cry. Like, mm -hmm. thank you, world, for giving me these moments. And that's, that's amazing. I mean, that's amazing, especially, like, through this uh, this medium, through burlesque and everything. Have you have you seen anything in terms of, like, across the pond, like anything European style, or is this mostly just in a do – you, do you feel this is a more American thing? Well, definitely, I think I, – I, I know it's, it's thriving in the U.S. It's gangbusters mm -hmm. in parts of Canada – um, Toronto, Ottawa, and Vancouver. I even know there's a tr little troupe up in Victoria. Um, oh, okay. Which is really cute. I know in Australia they're doing a lot of nerdy burlesque shows. There is a nerdlesque-themed troupe in New Zealand. Um, mm -hmm. And I think in, like, the U.K. it's starting up a little bit. Um, but there's always been pop culture reference in burlesque. It's just now there's this freedom to do uh, shows – focused on particular fandoms mm -hmm. um, and people are selling out. Like I think the first show that really sort of catapulted uh, this sort of like trend in nerdy burlesque was a star Wars themed burlesque a few years ago in Los Angeles. And mm -hmm. it, the LA weekly took pictures and posted it to their LA weekly blog and it went viral and crashed their website. Oh my God. And that producer actually, uh, uh, was briefly in a partnership with Live Nation to go on tour mm -hmm. uh, and then got a cease and desist from Lucasfilm. Oh, shoot. But now they're doing the show again, mm -hmm. just sort of changing a little bit of the wording. Ah, there we go. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's a war that takes place in the stars. Uh. Interesting. I actually talked to the producer and she's like, well, now that Disney owns it, I have less fear of being sued. Oh, there we go. 
they might actually want to cash in on that and uh, make a movie out of it or something. Disney maybe doesn't want to make a big deal about it. And actually, I think there's this trend of starting to embrace projects like this. Like, we're not trying to make money. Like, really, a burlesque show does not exist to make anyone money. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing it because we love it and we're bringing other fans together that love it. So I think there's – it's not like turning a blind eye. There's just this sort of like, yeah, this exists and we want these things to exist and we're not going to shut them down. Well, and if anything, um, I mean, you know, like the Rat Queens one, it's it's embracing the fandom and also, like, getting it out there for more people, too, and just being like, look, there's this thing, like, go and watch it, and then, you, you know, guess what? There's a comic that it's based on. You can go and read that, and uh, I would I would almost think that burlesque can enhance the um, the profile of something as, just as much. Yeah, I think it's also as people start to understand, like I always said, for the first year of the Whedon-esque show, like, this is not a Buffy takes off her pants show. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually going to try to say something about these characters. And sometimes it might be that maybe Buffy will not get punished for her sexuality, that she might actually enjoy it. Go figure. And that might be actually, maybe that's fun. Like, maybe she doesn't uh, have to feel terrible all the time. Is that uh, so? Is the, are those kind of the things that you do worry about with putting on burlesque shows that people won't either understand it or maybe they see it more as a as a novelty? I think so. Yeah, like I think there's this, like a this Hollywood perception of what burlesque is. You know, in Seattle, we have a different view on things. Like it's a pretty like the culture really embraces burlesque, but in other cities, they just they they don't really understand it. They think of it as you know, is dirty stripping or porn, mm-hmm. and it really isn't that. It's also, um, you know, it's meant for adults. It's not meant for children. Um, it is an art form that's about uh, exposing a body, which a lot of people don't agree with, but I do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just, yeah, just curious, like, you know, because with you, you have the fandoms that obviously want to go and see the thing that they love. It's, um, I'm always curious as to what the, uh, the worries are with some of the things like that. Like, um, if you're afraid that people will just be like, well, it's a flash in the pan kind of thing or whatever. Maybe it is a flash in the pan. I mean, it's pretty trendy right now. I don't know how long it's going to last. But also I think that there's, there, maybe this is a better way to sort of frame this is I do have a worry especially when um, geek culture and the Comic-Con culture is still so dominated by the male perspective that this mm-hmm. will be seen as something akin to booth babes. And I should just oh, talk about yeah. that. Um, I often uh, I lecture and do presentations about nerdy burlesque, and I went to the National Women's Studies Conference and talked about this. Um, but, like, uh, some cons bring it in very much to be this sort of, like, this uh, male gaze TNA show um, which I think goes against sort of the true intent of the actual movement or the actual people doing burlesque. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know uh, there was a burlesque show for Emerald City Comic Con, and originally Emerald City didn't want any men in the show. Hmm. And it was very clearly marketed to a male audience, and the performers and producers fought back a little bit, and they put um, Bolt Action, who is a male performer in the show. Uh, and uh, I think it's like once you actually see it, you start to get that it's not driven by the male gaze. And it's not for a male audience or a heterosexual male audience. 
Um, that was a show actually where uh, Will Wheaton came. And Will, oh, yeah. Will Wheaton saw the burlesque routine inspired by Will Wheaton, which was amazing, <laughs> by the way. And it ends with a Will Wheaton Merkin. It was totally oh, one of the best things I've ever seen in my life was Will Wheaton watching Will Wheaton do burlesque. Actually, and I'm going to tell two stories. That act is actually about a young, awkward Will Wheaton realizing through the power of his magical beard that he is awesome. <laughs> He has the power of beard. And it's to the song, I'm the one that's cool, um, by Felicia Day. And it's just like celebration. And it ends with this beautiful Isis wings, which is like a burlesque cape um, that are covered in dicks because he has a cape of dicks. And he died. He loved every second of that. So that was about that performer's absolute love of Will Wheaton, but also talking about a young, awkward nerd realizing when they grew up that they actually were cool. Mm -hmm. But back Mm -hmm. to the original story was uh, he loved that act. And then uh, that act was followed by another performer who did Aquaman, who was a male performer. The audience gave him a standing ovation and Will Wheaton tweeted about how, yes, that Will Wheaton act was awesome, but Bolt Action stole the show. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I fear that this perception that will end up putting um, nerdy burlesque into the category of booth babes. But when you actually see it, you realize that that is not the case. And then the performers themselves, when they actually sort of fight back to the Comic-Con culture and say, like, no, we want to represent everybody. Mm. And that will make a better show. Just trust us. Yeah. And, and, and sexuality is always a... A, a really touchy subject, especially with nerd culture. Okay. I mean, it's um, not not even just body image, but it's just women owning their sexuality uh, and, and being like, no, look, I like to show off my body. It has nothing to do with me wanting your attention. I don't need your attention. I just like how I look. And then people misinterpreting that. Yeah. Um, women have to deal with that all the time, especially at, at conventions. Um it's getting slightly better, but it's got a long way to go at this point. Well, I do appreciate, like I said, like I love how a convention that is a decidedly feminist geek convention has embraced burlesque wholeheartedly. Um, burlesque has been a part of Geek Girl Con since the day that it started. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also understand there are some issues and some problematic issues with um, in burlesque. Like It's like every other art form. There are problems. There is misogyny. Um, yes, maybe that is complicated to say that this one rare art form that is dominated by women to be able to speak, to be able to to share our stories also has to involve stripping. Like there's Mm -hmm. something, there's layers there, there's parts of this discussion, but to just completely dismiss a woman who wants to express herself sexually or a man or anything in between, uh, is inherently like wrong and bad. I, I do not abide. (laughs) <laughs> well, and and you mentioned before that you're uh you were involved with roller derby, so yeah. you were involved with the uh, the Rat City uh roller derby, right? Yes. Oh my God, we have to tell the creators of Rat Queens to hook oh up with God. the Rat City Roller Girls to do a cross promotion. <laughs> for the uh for for a while there when when Rat Queens was just starting, I kept writing rat girls in there because that's what I would always go to. It's like, oh, the rat girls. No, 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 no. It's the wrong thing. I'm not writing about that. <laughs> but uh, no, I love roller derby so much. Yeah, I love the uh, culture that's like just built up out of nothing. This like grassroots punk rock 
crazy oh culture. God. I played 2005 to 2007. So I'm uh, considered a founding member of the Rat City Roller Girls. Awesome. Um, it's lost a little bit of that edge. It's changing and it's evolving, much like comic culture or I mean Comic Con culture and geek culture is evolving. Um, but that's when I read Rat Queens. I was like, these are all my friends. When we used to like, you know, hang out and skate and drink, cause problems and some and solve problems and think that we were the best things ever. But maybe sometimes we were the cause of the problems. Yes. <laughs> And this, like, you know, this, uh, you know, freedom of sexuality and and just all of it. It just feels like it feels like my people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and and because the the derby culture and the uh, the the burlesque culture kind of just, you know, it it strikes that same chord yeah. for me. Because when I when I saw that my first derby rally um, up in Bellingham, actually, I saw oh, the uh, yeah. the roller betties. Yeah. Uh, and and I sat there for a second. I was with a, co- a couple of coworkers of mine, and I was just thinking, like, am I supposed to be happy about this because it's a bunch of women kicking ass, or should I be uh, offended because there's a lot of guys screaming and ho- hooting and hollering and a lot of women? And I went on the side of it's a bunch of women who are really kick ass and and just enjoyed myself yeah. and and I was like okay I'm on board with well, it. It can be both. Like it can be there maybe there's some problematic parts of it and maybe there are some awesome parts of it. Oh yeah. Um, and I feel like uh Derby has tried very hard to not just be about uh chicks and lipstick with fishnets. Yeah. Um like very early on Rat City was offered like a Playboy spread in like like Germany, like a German Playboy spread. And instead, we uh, did a photo spread for ESPN magazine. Oh, sweet. But it was, uh, you know, it was the sport as it was, like one woman who's very athletic with her face half painted like a skull. And the other uh, group of women whose team was sort of themed off of Space Girls and Kiss with the throttle rocket, just being who they were. Some of them are sexy and some of them are butch and some of them are whatever they want to be. Mm-hmm. Which to me is very similar to what we're doing in burlesque. Yeah, and and was uh, was Jojo Stiletto your uh, your name uh, in Derby, or did you have a different one? Jojo Stiletto was my name, um, uh-huh. and I was my character in Derby was a sort of pinup girl burlesque performer, mm-hmm. and uh, my character in burlesque was sort of a rough and tumble roller girl. <laughs> you switched them. So it was it was fun to play with that um, persona, uh, JoJo Stiletto, uh, the rough and tumble pinup girl. Um, That's awesome. And then I, you know, started to, like I said, find ways to embrace the nerdier sides of me. Um, like one of my favorite uh, acts that I did, like I said, was about math and the best things that people would say. They still people still mention that act to me today was it was so sexy because it was about your brains and not just about your body. Um, But I did end with rhinestone pie pasties. (laughs) The, Oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, So we're at the, we're we're a little bit over an hour here. And um, I was just wondering, so before we end this, so if someone's looking to get into burlesque, um, what, what steps do you think that they should, should take? To do that 
Well, you know, if you're um, sort of like if you're if you're a geek girl, actually, at a lot of conventions, they've been starting to do like little like introduction panels or classes. I've I've noticed a few of those sort of popping up, which is really awesome. And in lots of different cities, there's either academies of burlesque or workshops or places to sort of dip your toes in. Um, might it might be something as simple as learning uh, doing it. Uh, Seattle has like a one day class about the art of the tease and then they have a six week intensive class where you go and you create a character and you create an act and then you perform it at the end um and I actually I love going to burlesque 101 recitals because you see this wide variety of uh, uh beginners expressions of like of how they see themselves or how they want to see themselves and I've noticed a lot of uh, performers doing acts that are kind of nerdy, which is uh, kind of awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and are you going to be at Geek Girl Con this year? I really hope to be there. This is the first year that uh, there's a major conflict. Oh, no. Same weekend as Burley Con. Oh, no. It happened in Seattle, actually. It's kind of amazing. Um, mm-hmm. burlesque women from and men from all over the country are going to descend upon Seattle and the same for geeky men and women and it's going to happen the same weekend oh my god you just like combine the two and do oh. like burlcon it, 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 it's, it's fantastic and amazing but it does pose some personal conflicts of time mm-hmm. um, so I'll be at burlycon uh, presenting on nerdy burlesque and I will hopefully be able to attend Geek Girl Con this year. Uh, it's my first year as an, only an attendee, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a couple panels this year, so... Uh, we'll have to finally come and meet you. Yeah, I look forward to it. I, um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the show uh, in August as well. Oh my gosh, then. I'm so excited for you to see your first burlesque show. We, I hope we do not disappoint. I, I've been rarely disappointed by anything that's nerd oriented. So. <laughs> are you are you a, a Wheaton fan? I'm a huge okay. Wheaton fan. I think you'll, you'll be happy. You'll be, I think you'll be really happy. We're, we're definitely going. There's some Buffy, there's a little bit of Angel, a little bit of Firefly. You got some Doctor Horrible. There's in there? a, a little Doctor Horrible. Uh, a little much to do about nothing and Cabin in the Woods. Oh, good. Uh, both two two movies of his. Like when they came out, I was like. You are the greatest person ever. Yeah. Also, one of my teenage obsessions was actually the play Much Do About Nothing. So this is amazing for me. <laughs> oh, I, I I think the minute I meet you, I'm just going to give you a big old hug. It's going to happen. We're going to hug it out. We're going to hug Joss. No, you and oh, me. We're, we're going to hug it out. Also, we might hug Joss one day. And that's yes, cool. that too. It's I, funny, I, like, I, he knows about the show. Like, that is yeah. amazing. He actually met the performer who played Buffy and told her she was kind of Sarah Michelle Gellar hot and made some other sort of like slightly inappropriate kind of pervy comments. But like, not like gross, but like, oh God, he's a pervert just like us. (laughs) So that's my closing statement. Well, on that note, I mean, pervert. Yay. Um, so before we go then, uh, Jojo, where can people find you on online? Uh, they can find me at jojostiletto.com or professorofnerdlust.com. Uh, and I blog about nerdy burlesque, and I also have information about my upcoming shows and projects like Weedonesque Burlesque and uh, slash romance 
without boundaries, which is hopefully my show, which will happen in February. Neat. And are you on the, you're on the Twitters yeah, and everything? Definitely right? on Twitters. Okay. And the Facebook-based JoJo Stiletto events and JoJo Stiletto. Just type in JoJo Stiletto and you'll find me. More than likely you'll come up. <laughs> okay, cool. And uh, if anyone is out there uh, looking to see what I'm up to, I'm also on the Twitters uh, with uh, Darling underscore Sammy and uh, writing for Word of the Nerd and my own blog, uh, Maniacal Geek. And so, uh, once again, on behalf of That Girl with the Curls, JoJo, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy you came on. I really, really appreciate it. And I should probably sneak in the statement that Weed Nest Burlesque is entirely sold out at this point. Ooh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> to tease everybody. Um, there's that thing. So, But thank you so much for Seattle having part. me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been such a pleasure. I'm so glad we did this. And, uh, yeah, so uh, good night, everybody, and thanks for listening.